This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Blaze Radio Network. And now, Chewing the Fat with Jeff Fisher. We've spent a lot of time on this show talking about uh, what we would do if we won a big lottery jackpot. So then I see a story, and, you know, of course, the Powerball is tonight, for those of you listening live, 11-2-2022, at uh, over a billion dollars. But I see where there was a winner of a Chinese lottery who won $29.9 million, which I'm not opposed to. Anyway, the jackpot uh, winner wore a mascot suit to claim his prize so nobody would know his identity. And the man, identified only as Mr. Lay, uh, told newspapers he was keeping his jackpot secret from his wife and child so they wouldn't become rich deadbeats. I believe the quote, the actual quote was, I didn't tell my wife and child for fear they would be too complacent and would not work or work hard in the future. (laughs) Uh, Good luck with that. Good luck with that. Welcome. Welcome to Chewing the Fat. Wow, I see where Facebook or Meta, after crossing a $1 trillion market cap, remember it joined Apple and Microsoft, Alphabet, Amazon, crossing that trillion dollar market cap. Uh, Yeah, uh, not anymore. It's worth less than Home Depot and barely more than Pfizer and Coca-Cola right now. Uh, Tough times. Tough times for really... All the big heavyweights in big tech. Uh, They've had uh, this last quarter really put a dent in them. Facebook or Meta, uh, since that peaked in September 21, when they were the trillion dollar company, they've lost two thirds of its value. Wow. Uh, We know that younger people are fleeing Facebook and investors aren't confident in Zuckerberg. They are not confident at all that he can reinvent the company as a metaverse platform. Um, It's got too many people, too many ideas, too little urgency. So, okay, Uh, good luck. I hope uh, everything works out for the metaverse. Google, Alphabet, I mean, posted its slowest revenue growth since 2013 outside of only uh, one early pandemic quarter. YouTube ad sales fell in quarter three. So, I mean, even Sundar Pichai, the CEO, said, yeah, it's a tough time in the ad market. Uh Uh-huh. It sure enough is. And how about Microsoft? Uh, How about that? Well, they have a disappointing forecast as well. And their push to dominate in the metaverse is also faltering. Oh, okay. So, I mean, everybody had record profits during COVID, 
but now uh, not so much. Uh, times are starting to starting to hurt a little, and we find out. I was really surprised by this. I don't know why I didn't realize this. You see the a headline here or a headline there. Governments on every continent, minus Antarctica, have charged Alphabet with antitrust or privacy law violations. And they find, I mean, levied fines of billions of dollars. I mean, look. Google is it, right? We've talked about it on this show. I mean, remember when you want to like Bing, but you can't because it's not Google. Nine out of every 10 searches on the internet go through Google. Pretty incredible. Now, EU officials are looking into whether Google's anti-competitive practice have harmed app developers. India antitrust authorities have penalized Google for monopolizing its Play Store payment system and for abusing its dominance in the Android ecosystem. Japan, an investigation is determining whether Google has unfairly leveraged its dominance over the markets for phones, smartwatches, and other wearables. South Africa, a competition commission, has made provisional recommendations for how Google can make its paid advertising search results more transparent. Uh, UK again, Alphabet faces lawsuits over anti-competitive digital advertising practices and overpricing app store purchases. And here in the U.S., a lawsuit alleges the company has monopolized the ad market and beat down competition by abusing its access to data. Huh. So how's that going? And then, you know, we've talked on this show about TikTok and how bad it is and what what it does and and we can go through that uh at some point but i know now that a member of the federal communications commission has called on the u.s government to ban tiktok over concerns the app exposes private american data to chinese interests you think uh the tiktok has now been downloaded more than 200 million times in the u.s is owned by the Shanghai-based uh, ByteDance and has been in negotiations with the federal government over a security deal. Yeah, they claim they're going to keep it here in the, just the U.S. and not outside the, not back to China. <laughs> uh, so Brendan Carr, one of the four current FCC commissioners, asked both Apple and Google to remove the app from their stores in June. Uh, okay, so we know now that uh, TikTok showed private u.s data was accessed numerous times from china and so i mean fcc can't regulate tiktok directly but you know it can sway congress i guess to try to get it to be banned i mean that's what started the whole ban deal when donald trump tried to ban it back in 2020 before it was the tiktok of today when it was just tiktok i mean we know that they were already fined for violating child privacy laws here in the United States. And it turns out that uh, this company uh, reverse-engineered TikTok to determine exactly what information was being sent to ByteDance. Okay, So the app collects everything about a user's phone. It documents the phone's hardware specs and every app that's been downloaded. It pings the phone's GPS location roughly every 30 seconds. That means TikTok tracks exactly where all its users are at all times. 
It also knows which Wi-Fi networks its users connect to. It documents the address of the router, as well as every other device connected to each network. It also has written software code to allow it to potentially download software to Android phones and then run that software without the user's knowledge or consent. The software could be anything, uh, malware or surveillance software. Um, Pretty sure that's not legal, but... You know, they're not doing that, according to Bleeding Edge's Jeff Brown, or at least they weren't at the time of this particular update on TikTok, but they were, the, this, the software was inside of TikTok. So don't worry about it. It's fine. Just produce the video, okay? And be concerned that Elon Musk is owning Twitter. All right? All right, then. Fine. Zip it. And follow me on Twitter at Jeffy JFR and Facebook and Instagram, Jeff Fisher radio. I don't have a TikTok as of yet. Uh, some members of my household do, although I put my foot down early on and then I've given up just like you have. It's just, okay. And you know, fine. We want to be able to post the stuff on the platform. So we just give up. Okay, fine. You can request a cameo from me. Uh, at Jeffy JFR on Cameo, those cost money. Uh, you, I will be nice or be mean or be thankful or be any way you want. That's what the, that's what Cameo is. <laughs> uh, so at Jeffy JFR on Cameo, and of course you can uh, always email me chewing the fat at theblaze.com chewing the fat at theblaze.com. Now, if you're listening to this show, you know that it's free. Um, the reason that it's free is because we have subscribers to Blaze TV. So you can become a subscriber to Blaze TV. Go to blazetv.com slash Jeffy and use the promo code Jeffy and that gets you a discount on a year's, uh, I think it, that's what it is. You get a year's subscription to the Blaze TV for a cheaper price with the promo code jeffy blazetv.com slash jeffy all right let's go to the break room i need something cold to drink desperately (sighs) you see where sharon stone says that a younger man dumped her for refusing to get botox Okay, if you say so, Sharon, no problem. She said uh, in an interview uh, cover story for Vogue Arabia, she's 64 now, we've talked about Sharon before, Uh, she said that uh, she was in a relationship with a younger man who called it quits after she refused to get the wrinkle-erasing injections. What? Yes. She said her youthful beau... Asked if she used Botox. She said, it would probably be really good for your ego and mine if I did. I saw him one more time after that, and then he wasn't interested in seeing me anymore. If you don't see me for more than that, you'll please find your way to the exit. (laughs) I like the way that sounds, Sharon, but I don't necessarily believe it. But okay, if you want everyone to think you had the younger beau and the hot guy, but uh, he 
he didn't just leave because he was tired of hearing you whine. It was all about the Botox. Okay, all right, no problem. She did say that she used injectables in the past before giving them up for good. And she opened up about the painful history with the treatment. Uh, There were periods in the super fame, in the super fame, when I got Botox and filler and stuff. And then I had this massive stroke and a nine-day brain hemorrhage. Every time you talk about Sharon Stone, she wants to bring out the nine-day stroke and the nine-day brain hemorrhage. (laughs) I mean, she's actually, you know, we all know that she's lucky to be alive. And I've had over 300 shots of Botox and filler to make the one side of my face come up again. So because of the massive stroke and the nine-day brain hemorrhage, I guess her face fell in. Maybe that was from the previous fill-in work, you know, during her time as what she called them uh, uh, big fame. I know, super fame. Sorry. Sorry, Sharon. And so uh, because of that, they gave her over 300 shots of Botox and filler to, you know, make the face come up again. She said that uh, the near-death experience changed the concept of Botox from cute luxury to some kind of massive, painful, neurological need. Okay. She said these days she prefers to celebrate her age. And fans are responding. I bet they are. She's taking the quick bikini, the topless bikini shot, which, you know, I'm looking. No problem. I'm happy to see that. And she was in flight attendant as the mom. She's been working, and life is just really good. But it's not super fame like it used to be. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, if you believe that the younger beau left because you wouldn't get Botox, well, You go right on ahead and believe it. Okay? All right, good. So, have you ever seen the painting, uh, the Mondarin, M-O-N-D-R-A-I-N painting? It's been around for, I don't know, 75, 80 years. It's a famous painting by uh, abstract Dutch artist Piet Mondarin. And uh, it's, I don't know, it's the 1941 picture. It's a... Interlacing lattice of red, yellow, black, and blue adhesive tapes titled New York City One. And it was first put on display at New York's uh, Museum of uh, Modern Art in 1945. And it's hung at the art collection of the German federal state of North Rhine-Westphalia in Dusseldorf since 1980. And uh, the way the picture is currently hung, it shows the multicolored lines thickening at the bottom. You know, it kind of looks like... uh, uh, kind of looks like one of those uh, designer scarfs, you know, and you know, not uh, not Ralph Lauren. Uh, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about the uh, the designer scarf, not uh, Louis Vuitton, uh, Burberry. It looks like a Burberry, just uh, you know, off the top of my head. That's what I was thinking of. It was kind of a little. 
you know, kind of a Burberry scarf look. Anyway, uh, right now we have a professional art, uh, I don't know, curator. Uh, she started looking at the museum show and she said, you know, uh, that's upside down. Uh, you people been hanging this thing up upside down for 75 years. <laughs> that is awesome. So she believes that the thickening of the grid should be at the top like a dark sky. And she pointed out to other curators and they were like, yeah, you know, I think you're right. Huh? So they don't know what happened. They, there's a photograph of Mondrian studio taken a few days after the artist's death and published in American lifestyle magazine, town and country, uh, in June of 1944 edition. And it shows the same picture sitting on an easel the other way up. So, uh, they don't know if it changed in shipping, if that's what he wanted, if it was, if they just took it out of a box and said, put it up like that. (laughs) So the one thing that's a problem is it doesn't have the signature on it. So, because he hadn't finished it. So now they're concerned that the adhesive tapes are already extremely loose and hanging by a thread. If we were to turn it upside down, it would just make it fall down and fall apart. So we're just going to leave it the way it is. So the next time you look at a piece of art, that's just a good way to, a good rule of thumb, you know, art is in the eye of the beholder. But when you look at something and go, you know, that just doesn't, I don't know, does that look right to you? And you don't know. I mean, if you look at it, the one picture they have of it, you know, the word, how it is with the, what's supposed to be the top on the bottom, you would think, okay, well, that's the way it's supposed to be. It's just, it's just so you know, uh, if you've enjoyed uh, the Mondrian's work, uh, just know that uh, you've been enjoying it upside down. So, you know, we've talked a lot uh, since uh, Elon has taken over Twitter about how he's going to change it and what is going to change and the possible changes that could happen. And one of those changes were that he would charge for Twitter or charge to have to be verified, that kind of thing, or charge a subscription fee to actually use Twitter. Well, now today I'm just reading an article about how they're looking at uh, charging for video. So when a creator composes a tweet with a video, the creator can enable the paywall once the video has been added to the tweet. So the creator could then receive a sum of money, uh, allegedly up to like $10 from each user who pays for the video content, with Twitter also making an unspecified cut of that. So according to a mock-up of what the feature would look like, the paywalled content uh, would be obscured with the lock icon and the message view for a dollar or whatever the case is. And this is just one of the few overhauls. So, I mean, they're talking about, uh, well, they're concerning themselves with this because it would be mainly used to promote adult content, uh, rivaling uh, Pornhub and doesn't say it in the story, but Patreon, right? And uh, those have millions of users a month. 
Uh, and OnlyFans, uh, more OnlyFans than Patreon, but the same kind of thing where you charge for content. And so uh, they're, they're, they don't know. I was really surprised at the number that they had in here about porn on Twitter. 13% of all content on the site is pornographic. So, I mean, pornography is a thriving exchange on Twitter. Believe me, I know. And some of it is, well, some of it is pornography. It's the way it is. I know that uh, they've been concerned about advertisers. They, way back in, uh, I don't know, a few months ago anyway, the way, way back in a few months ago, um, I know that uh, Dyson and Mazda and Forbes and PBS Kids all suspended their marketing campaigns or removed their ads from parts of Twitter because they claim that promotions appeared alongside tweets soliciting for child pornography. Is that true? I mean, I don't know if that's true or not, but they certainly believed it and pulled. And I guess, you know, some tweets included the keywords uh, related to rape and teens, and they didn't want that promoted next to their product. You know, that's their call. I don't blame them at all. So anyway, that's uh, new news on Twitter that uh, you start uh, getting, you can put video up behind a paywall so you could create your own content and charge for it and Twitter would get a cut. That's a pretty good idea, actually. Uh, I'm not uh, necessarily opposed to that idea. So I know that Elon wants to make the platform the most accurate source of information on Earth without regard to political affiliation. But if you pay me 10 bucks a month, you can take a look at some porn shots, too. So who died today? Who died today? First and foremost, uh, Takeoff. Whose Takeoff, you ask? Well, Takeoff is one-third of the hip-hop trio Migos, who was shot and killed in Houston, Texas. Uh, he was 28 years of age. The rapper was shot and killed at a bowling alley in downtown Houston, where he and his uh, Quavo and uncle and my ghost bandmate were playing dice at around 2.30 in the morning. And the crowd was approximately 40 or 50 people at the scene. When the shooting took place, uh, there was a man with a gunshot wound to the head or neck. Uh, he was pronounced dead at the scene. Uh, two other people were shot and taken to the hospital. Police have confirmed that the investigation, of course, is underway. And they're examining a nearby surveillance video in an effort to determine what happened at the bowling alley. So, takeoff. Dead at the age of 28. Who else? Who died today? Julie Powell, food writer, blogger, known for her Julie and Julia. You remember her? Amy Adams portrayed the author alongside Meryl Streep in uh, the film about her quest to cook every recipe and the mastering the art of French cooking in a year, uh, she passed away at the age of 49. Wait, what? She was 49? Yes. She was 49 years old, and she died of cardiac arrest 
in her home in Olive Bridge, New York. Huh. So she was born in Texas, struggling writer living in Long Island. she wrote the uh, wrote the book that turned into a movie, and then uh, she was born in Austin, Texas, actually. And uh, her second and last book, Cleaving, the story of marriage, meat, and obsession, was published in 2009 when she was 49 years old and had cardiac arrest. Huh. wonder what could have caused a 49-year-old Otherwise, healthy female to just die and have cardiac arrest at the age of 49. I don't know either. Don't look at me. Don't look at me. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, oh, you know what it is. Yeah, that's exactly what you're thinking. So I didn't say that. I'm just saying that it is awful strange that she just dropped over of cardiac arrest at the age of 49. Getting that a lot lately, it seems. People are just dropping over at a relatively young age. And then there's no reason for it. We don't know why. It just happens. You can look at me like that all you want. I didn't say it. All right? I know what you're thinking, and I didn't say it. I did this uh, on uh, Pat Unleashed this morning. Of course, it's Wednesday, uh, 11 2, so I do a Chewing the Fat on uh, Pat Gray Unleashed program and uh as i was sitting down to do chewing uh, i saw the list of the uh highest paid dead celebrities revealed by forbes and uh, it was fascinating the 13 highest paid dead celebrities according to forbes all right so uh number 13 is george harrison 12 million dollars george harrison made 12 million last year john lennon made 16 million juan gabriel Made $23 million. Juan Gabriel, the famous Mexican musician, composer. Charles Schultz, $24 million. Jeff Beccaro from Toto made $25 million. Dr. Seuss made $32 million. Leonard Cohen made $55 million. Michael Jackson made $75 million. James Brown, the hardest working man, or was the hardest working man in show business, $100 million. Wow. Elvis Presley made $110 million this year. Good. Good for the king. David Bowie made $250 million. Wow. Kobe Bryant, Kobe Bryant made $400 million. (laughs) Wow. And the number one uh, highest paid dead celebrity, J.R.R. Tolkien, made $500 million in the last year. Congratulations, I guess, for being dead and bringing in some cash so i do want to thank all of you for sending me your ideas for the oak mulgy theme music i really appreciate it i've gotten all your emails at chewing the fat at the i also have uh, one of my producers uh 
Haley has uh, sent a special folder that I have to listen to that has, uh, let's see, in her words, she called it murderous jingles that may work for the Oak Mulgee murder theme. So uh, then I got to thinking, uh, uh, Keith, as I was reading about uh, Oak Mulgee, and uh, he was asking my theory on it, and he said, you know, I was thinking maybe you could use the, everybody's got their own uh, theme music that they could possibly use. Uh, And he says, what about Bonanza? What about that theme music? And so I'm thinking, Bonanza? Wow. And then I saw, I went to look for the Bonanza theme music, which got me into looking at how the Bonanza house, the house that was on the Ponderosa, which was the ranch on the television show Bonanza, just sold a year or so ago. And I feel like we talked about it, but I'm not sure. It sold for $38 million. It's on Lake Tahoe. That's where Bonanza was filmed. I mean, Bonanza was a huge show. I mean, it ran for 14 seasons, 431 episodes. Wow. From 1959 to 1973, NBC's longest running Western show. (laughs) So, I mean, the place that they have, it's uh, different than what was the Cartwright's family home on the Ponderosa. 24-acre property uh, set along the east shore of Lake Tahoe and Zephyr Cove. Uh, It has two homes built in 2004 combining for nine bedrooms nine and a half baths across more than 18,000 square feet it's got a gated motor court uh, approaching the stone clad mansion uh, formal living spaces beam ceilings hand carved fireplaces ornate chandeliers picture windows in living room dining room uh, kitchen taking the views of the water wine cellar craft room movie theater gym two offices and a spacious billiards room with a wet bar under vaulted ceilings. Second-story deck hangs off the backside of the home, overlooking a stretch of sandy beach that leads to a private dock with a boat lift. I could live here. I'm ready to live there. It was uh, originally listed for uh, $59 million, and it just sold for $38, $39 million, which gets us to the possibility of the theme song from Bonanza as the Okmulgee theme. <laughs> Okmulgee! Murder! Dismembered! I don't think so. I don't know. I don't know. It's funny. It's definitely funny. I don't think it's going to work really, but I do kind of like it. We'll see. A decision has to be made this week. I've put a put a deadline on the Oak Mulgee theme music. It has to happen this week, so it's coming. That's what she said. 
So a woman identified as a Republic Airways flight attendant, and I'm not real sure what Republic Airways is, but okay, uh, she was arrested at Reagan National Airport after authorities said she took a passenger's bracelet set from the TSA checkpoint. Uh, security spokesman said uh, Rebecca Valley, 60, of Wesley Chapel, Florida, that's in uh, Tampa Bay, uh, just outside of Tampa, uh, works for the regional carrier and was charged with one count of grand larceny. The owner of the jewelry reported that it was valued at $8,000. Well, was it? Was it $8,000? I'd like to have that rethought if I was, you know, Rebecca Valley from Wesley Chapel. I would say that wasn't worth 8000 That was only worth like 10 bucks. <laughs> but apparently uh, the victim said uh, she went through the TSA and said, hey, uh, somebody took my jewelry. I don't have my jewelry. Somebody took my jewelry. I don't have my jewelry. So they went to the videotape. Let's roll back the tape. And uh, they examined the recordings and said a second traveler in a flight attendant's uniform pick up the jewelry. And they found her in the airport. Hello. How you doing? Come with us, please. Oh, now Republic Airways did not respond to the request for comment. Oh, okay. It operates flights for American Eagle, Delta, Connection, and United Express. Okay. So, uh, I guess... Uh, People have stuff stolen at the security checkpoint all the time. Really? That is so weird. Uh, Are we really having person-on-person thievery at the checkpoint? I mean, okay. Uh, Maybe the TSA people should do their jobs, and they did do their job, actually. Uh, They helped out and got the passenger there necklace back whether it was worth eight thousand or eight bucks it doesn't matter uh wasn't uh, our girl from wesley chapel's property and according to the tsa they want to uh, make sure that you put your wallets or phones or jewelry in a carry-on bag not a bin to help avoid the passenger on passenger theft and you make your laptops, uh, put a business card or some type of sticker, like a three-inch decal of a pink whale that I have on mine. Yeah, that's what I want to do. Walk around with a big pink whale decal on the back of my laptop. But you go ahead. I appreciate it. Just keep an eye out at the old TSA checkpoint, okay? I don't want any passenger-on-passenger passenger crime going on. And what's happening at the airport? I mean, how much we've, stuff gets missing, goes missing all the time at the airport uh when you say all the time jeff do you uh, really all the time well yeah i see uh where a guy by the name of earl weber e-r-r-o-l-w-e-b-b-e-r uh tweeted at united and saying one of your employees at anchorage airport rummaged through my luggage and took some film equipment home with them they inadvertently took my Apple AirTag that I had hidden. Can, tell, can you tell your employee who lives at 210 Clover Hollow Court to give my stuff back? <laughs> that is hilarious. Now, uh, I mean, people get stuff stolen all the time, and uh, it's a bad move on whoever lives at the old 210 Clover Hollow Court. 
Uh, times are tough right there. And I know that people, oh, I don't know, I've given someone's address is not the right play on that. Well, you know, okay, don't steal. Uh, I know that replies to that particular email talked about uh, we lost 60000 to FedEx on two separate occasions. We mailed seven to eight boxes, and in both cases we found that one box unmarked containing laptops went missing. They are now hand-carried, and the packages are air-tagged. FedEx immediately responded to that, being tagged in that tweet, saying, uh, DM us and we can help you out with that. Uh, I say, hey, you caught a thief. I don't know that I would have printed the address to the world myself, but it's certainly, I get it. I certainly get it. And, you know, it's an opportunity. I love the air tags. We talked about that already, how it stopped, uh, you know, helped people find their things. And it was for safety, of course. And, uh, you know, any of that kind of uh, technology where you could use to keep track of your stuff so that if it does inadvertently get in the hands of someone else, you could say, hey, hey, uh, you must have picked up that box of laptops by mistake because it's mine. So you mind? And as long as we're talking about crime and Tampa, Florida, let's talk about uh, the uh, money laundering criminals in Tampa Bay. Uh, Virginia Garcia Moretta and Hector Rodriguez Mendez got 70 months and 63 months in federal prison for conspiring to commit money laundering. As part of their sentences, the court has also ordered them for, to forfeit $21,567,939, the proceeds of the conspiracy. They pleaded guilty in June. Uh, just incredible. According to documents, they led a Tampa-based money laundering organization responsible for laundering more than $20 million in drug proceeds in more than 400 transactions. It's a lot of work for $20 million. Uh, during the operation, the couple received, uh, have they not seen uh, Ozark? I mean, what are we doing? Anyway, during the operation, the couple received substantial amounts of drug proceeds, gave bundles of cash with purchase instructions to people uh, that uh, they recruited to purchase cashier's checks. The couple would then visit several banks in the same day to cash the checks to avoid suspicion. And so these cashier checks were then given to other businesses and people involved in the conspiracy. And so then, ta-da, washed. So according to the investigators, $21,567,939 was laundered during the conspiracy. The couple's share of the proceeds was only 3%. And you better only take that too, because they will be coming to see you. So, obviously, the main motivation of these drug trafficking organizations is to profit at the expense of the safety and the health of our citizens. So, the actions of these individuals assisted the drug traffickers bringing this poison to our communities, said the DEA Miami Field Division Special Agent in Charge, DNL Reuter. This successful collaboration between the DEA, Miami Field Division, and our federal partners highlights the importance of financial investigations in the fight against narcotics trafficking in Florida. All right. I mean, good for them. Those who launder drug proceeds are just as vile and as culpable as the traffickers themselves, which is why today's sentence properly hold the defendants responsible for their actions. Okay. Well, 
Good. And I'm glad these people are off the streets. 21 million they're laundering out there. They should have taken some notes from Ozark, though. I mean, I feel like 400 transactions for 20 million. That's an awful lot. Uh, maybe it's just me. Yeah, it could be. Could be just me. Hey, don't forget the uh, World Series still going on. Uh, the Phillies are up two games to one. They have two more games left in Philadelphia. Looks like they're going to win big time. Okay, big time. And a quick uh, college football mention. I see the uh, playoff rankings were announced. Uh, so until Saturday rolls around or the end of this weekend rolls around and some teams win and or lose, this is the playoff rankings of the top 10, Tennessee, Ohio State, Georgia, Clemson, Michigan, Alabama, TCU, Oregon, Southern California, and LSU. I don't know how LSU snuck into the top 10, but they're there. So this weekend, Alabama and LSU play. Uh, the number six and number 10 team play. So that will uh, drop one of those teams down for sure. And uh, Georgia, Tennessee plays this weekend as well. Tennessee goes into Georgia. That will be a fun game to watch. The LSU-Alabama game will be a fun game to watch. TCU looks great. They're undefeated. Uh, Michigan looked really, really good. Clemson, I know they're undefeated, but I just can't take Clemson. And that's that's just me. I know. It's just me. Leave me alone. Get off me. And I see Texas is back at 5-3, and three, but they're ranked 24th. So the Texas fans are happy about that. Syracuse is ranked in the top 20. Penn State is back being ranked again. Kansas State, who looked really good this year, so far are six and two. Wow. And Ole Miss with Lane Kiffin, eight and one at number 11. UCLA's in there. So there's some great teams in the top 25. We'll see how that works out as the college season progresses. We are smack dab. I mean, we, are, we have like three or four games left in the season, and then we're into you know time off before the bowl games. Just amazing. Amazing. So uh, enjoy college football this weekend. And uh, thanks for listening to Chewing the Fat. Stream and subscribe to more Blaze Media content at theblaze.com slash podcasts.